part of this family, man. It's such a blessing to be a part of Faith Baptist Church. It's such a blessing to be a part of such an incredible group of people. So good to see all of you in the house. We've got all the tree house and junior church and children's church and got emerged. It looks good to see everybody in the house together. Some of you moms and dads are like, yeah, it, it looks better when they're back there. But, you know, somebody has to work hard when they're back there. And I'm, I'm thankful that everybody's able to be in here today. It's good to see everybody. But I want to say thank you to everybody that had anything to do with He's Alive. Yeah. Um, cast from, from, from Paul Hutchins to, to the least of us. Um, whether you cast or stage crew, welcoming, t-shirts, whatever you did, I just want to say thank you for your dedication and your service to the Lord. Thank you for, for the prayerful heart that you brought into this place because that's what moved the heart of God. That's why the Spirit of God was so strong in this place because of your prayer and your dedication. So I just want to tell you thank you. I also hadn't had a chance to tell you on Friday night, there were at least, I didn't count hands, there were at least 30 hands raised that prayed to receive Christ on Friday night. And last night, I really don't know. I, I was looking here, and there were several, several around. I just kind of glanced around. I looked over here, and this must have been the heathen section right here because there was hands all across. I was like, my goodness, I couldn't even count it. And then the balcony, I, I mean, there was 40 as an absolute minimum. So you're looking at least 70 people that saw Christ through your efforts, what you did. That trusted Christ. See, there are some people woke up this morning for their first real Easter. They're, they're not here as imposters. They're not on the outside looking in because it's an Easter tradition. But they're here this morning. They're in a church somewhere this morning, a member of the family. They understand what Easter is, is all about. Matter of fact, I, I was I, probably like most of you. It was pretty sad leaving here last night. thought, man, that's it. It's over like that? I mean, three months, it's over? And God showed me something that's not over. See, the Holy Spirit went home with some people, and he's still working on them. The Holy Spirit woke up some folks this morning and encouraged them to go to church. I know that because probably as long as I've been in this church, to my knowledge, I have never gone out this side door between these two buildings back here. And I come down here and put a microphone up. I did some stuff in. I started to go out, and there's a lot of people in the foyer. And I went out the side doors, just going to go around and join everybody out front. And when I went out that door, there was a guy named David standing at the corner of that building. He said, you're just the man I'm looking for. I have never walked out that door. And, and I said, if that's true, this is a God-appointed moment. He said, I sat in that balcony, and I left some business unfinished. He said, I know the Lord was calling me, and I know what I needed to do, and I didn't do it. I said, question, you die right now, heaven or hell, your call. He said, hell. I said, are you ready to change it? He said, oh, absolutely. So what God let me see is it isn't over. Because of all that you did, I got to stand right there and lead a man to the Lord in the parking lot after it was over. And somewhere this morning, somebody's going to go to church convicted by the Holy Spirit. And they're going to get saved somewhere else today or maybe in the weeks to come. So it's not over. The work of the Lord is never over. I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you for all you did. God bless you. God bless you. I, I, I know you are a blessing to many. I pray that God would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on your family. That there be not room enough to receive it. So here this morning, Matthew chapter 6. Um, as I get started, let me ask you one simple question. Who would like for somebody to get up and go to work for you in your place in the morning? Yeah. 
<laughs> Some two-handers. How about somebody get up for the rest of your life every day and go to work for you in your stead and your check still goes in your account? Oh, that'd be sweet, wouldn't it? To top it off, what if they showed up at your door and they said, I just want you to know I paid every debt you owe. I paid off your house, car, motorcycle, boat, whatever you got. I paid off your credit cards. Not only did I pay all your debts today, but every debt that you incur from now on is covered. Well, that'd be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? Sounds a little too good to be true in, in the physical world. I'm not really going to walk to my door expecting to see that guy in the morning. But that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross. He gets up and goes to work for us every day. Covers our bills every day. Pays our debt every single day. Jesus went to work for us. So here in our text this morning, Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He's a little over halfway through here in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read a few verses beginning in verse number 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you put on, is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want to look at a message this morning just for a few minutes on the portion of the cross. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for saving sinners like me. Thank you for souls that were saved in the past couple of nights. Thank you for everybody in this house this morning. God, I pray a special blessing for everybody in here. God, I pray you'd pour your spirit out on them. I pray you do what only you can do. Speak to every heart in every place. God, every one of us come in from different ways, bringing different burdens, needing different things. God, I pray you'd speak to each one. I pray that your perfect will be accomplished. God, we pray most of all, may you be pleased with what we do in this place. We love you, God. You've been good to us. Well, Lord, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the words, he's coming back. Why stand ye gazing into the heavens? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the promise. Meet with us now. Help us to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I will tell you before I get started, because some of it's going to sound a little familiar to some of you, because it got to sounding familiar to me. About three and a half weeks ago, I was studying, I was preparing what I thought was a message for then, and God said, put it up, put it up, it's not for now. So I put it up, and I began studying until God showed me what it was then, and I got it out a week later, and God said, put it up, it's not for now. And God began to show me it was for Easter Sunday morning. So I put it aside, and I began studying a little bit more, and as I was studying it this past week, and I was thinking, man, a lot of that's really familiar. I ran across the story that I know I've shared before. 
I've shared it right here, and I thought it's not that long back. So I had it in an outline. I went back to my computer. I found the outline. It was a little less than a year ago, and I'm like, God, if, if I shared something about portion a little less than a year ago, is this the message? So God gave me direction. I went on studying, and then Friday night, I, I sat down right back here. I have no idea why. It's about the same as walking out that door. I didn't sit down any Friday or any Saturday, except for this one moment. I'm walking down the aisle. There's an empty seat right there, and I sat down beside a guy. Matter of fact, met the girl, found out we used to go to church together. She went to church here for years when we were coming out of that building into this one, 16 years old at the time, and I didn't know her. She didn't know me. kind of sounds a lot like that, right? I guess we sat on opposite sides. But I sat there talking to him, and something come up, and we talked about portion control. This guy's a visitor. He's at the Easter play. And he says, I remember you preaching on that a while back. Man, I hope some of the members of the church remember that. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I, I barely remember it. <coughs> Excuse me. So yesterday I was studying, and I said, Lord, if, if a visitor that I don't even know heard it somewhere online, is, is this for me? Did I not get it the last time? Is this for me? Is this for your people? Because all I want is what God wants for his people. That's all that matters to me. And I sat back, crossed my feet, put them up on my desk. Well, about three and a half weeks ago, about the time the Lord started on this message, Brother Tim Pemberton sent me a text that said, Hey, I've got a song, been through a lot, means a lot to me. I'd like to sing this song. I said, If it means that much to you, it'll mean that much to somebody else. How about Easter Sunday morning? I left it at that. He said, that'd be good. I sent Greg a text. You get with Tim. He's going to sing a song. And, and that was the end of it. So I propped my feet up, and I got my phone. I'm sitting there, and I thought, I wonder what the guys are going to be singing tomorrow. So I opened up Greg's text from Monday to look at the singing, and Tim's song was on there, the story I'll tell. And I thought, man, I'm going to listen to that song. And about 30 or 40 seconds into it, I wrote it down. She said, I'll testify of the battles you've won. How you were my portion when there wasn't enough. I said, I get it, God. Put my phone down, went right on back to reading in my Bible, and right on back to studying, and here's what I know. And it doesn't matter to me or anybody that's just for one. God has something special for at least one in this place today. For three weeks, he's been pointing me for this, and he knew that somebody would be here today. So here's the story that I shared the last time, and this is what the message was based off of. You remember I talked about Seville D. Martin, 1905, and she and her husband, how they met a couple by the name of the Doolittles. Some of you remember, some of you don't. It's good to preach. Nobody remembers. I didn't see any head shaking. So they met the Doolittles. Miss Doolittle, she's been bedridden for over 20 years. Mr. Doolittle's in a wheelchair. He wheels himself to work every day in a wheelchair and home every day to provide for his family. And he's taking care of his wife from a wheelchair. Well, Ms. Mr. and Ms. Martin, they, they met this couple. Man, they were just an incredible blessing to them. And they, they began to fellowship and to spend more time with them. And one day, in spite of their afflictions, Mr. Martin was amazed by their, their disposition, by their attitude. I mean, nobody could be around them and their spirits not be lifted. They were just incredibly happy, full of joy. You know the kind of people when you get around them, you don't have to ask them if they're a Christian. Anybody know those kind of people? Everything about it, you see Christ in them. You see Christ in their life, Christ in what they do. And they're just that kind of people. So, so Mr. Martin commented on their incredible disposition, and he talked about, you know, in the face of the things that, that you're dealing with and all that you're going through and Troubles and trials would knock a lot of people down, yet you're this incredibly happy couple and you're a blessing to everybody. And Miss Doolittle said, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So Miss Martin, if you remember when I talked about this before, she sat down and wrote the song and said, why should I feel discouraged? 
Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I, I, I don't know the Martins. I don't know the Doolittles. But I can tell you, I, I know something about their life, even though I've never met them. I can just about guarantee you a full certainty that, that Mrs. Doolittle never planned on being bedridden for more than 20 years. I can just about bet you when she was a little girl growing up or when she and Mr. Doolittle got married and they went down the aisles, she never saw what was coming. I bet she never planned to spend her life bedridden. I can just about guarantee you that Mr. Doolittle did not plan to spend his life in that wheelchair doing what he had to do that was not part of the original plan. Sometimes life doesn't go like we thought it was going to go. Sometimes life doesn't turn out. The, you know, the life that we're living doesn't look anything like the one we dreamed about when we were little. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Joseph Campbell said we must let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the one that's waiting for us. God has a plan. If you remember last year in that message, we talked about the word portion and we talked about how that word portion is taking on a meaning in today's world. It's not a very friendly world. We're not crazy about, about that particular word because we follow portion with another word, control. And those are both like bad words in today's world, right? Nobody likes portion, and we sure don't like control. Anybody with me? Help us, Father. I just pray you'd be in this place right now, God. I ask you, would you move among your people? May your perfect will be accomplished, God. Portion control means I'm not going to get enough. Can I, can I buy a vowel? Y'all on the same page? Portion control, I, I used a similar example last time, but what it means is that I'm going to go to a party somewhere and everybody else has got a big old slice of birthday cake and a big old bowl with a whole bunch of Briar's vanilla mounted up on it and I got a stinking little teaspoon cup of some fat-free, sugar-free yogurt and the reason I got to eat it is because the dog won't have it. <laughs> and, and everybody else got something good. That's what I see as, as portion control. It means that, that I'm going to get less than I want. Portion control means when I get up, I, I'm not going to be satisfied. But yet the Doolittles, the Doolittles, in, in spite of, of the circumstances, in spite of all that they're facing, they said, Jesus is enough for me. Benjamin Franklin asked the question, who is rich? Think about it for a minute. Who is rich? You got your answer? Who is rich? Thinking of people, thinking of things. Who is rich? He follows it up with this answer. He that rejoices in his portion. You want to be happy? Know that God's got you and what God's given you is enough. Know that wherever you are is where God's got you. And if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. You want to be happy? Know that Jesus is your portion and your portion is going to be enough. Who is rich? He said, he that rejoices in his portion. That word portion is used 100 times even in the Word of God. See, that's important because the number 100 represents God's election of grace. 
Now, the word portion does mean measure, but it's not a lacking measure. It is a perfect measure. It refers to a measure that is uniquely ours and not anyone else's. By definition, it is the exact amount of something that we need. When used as a noun, it is an individual's part or share of something. Noah Webster uses a definition I wasn't particularly crazy about because he talks about inheritance. I'm not crazy about the word inheritance because normally in order to inherit something, you got to lose somebody that you love, and you'd rather have the somebody that you love a whole lot more than the stuff, right? But, but there's a happy ending to his example, so I'm going to go ahead and use it. Webster says that, that what everyone gets is a gift. He says when a person leaves a, a will and testament behind, what that is is the portion, and what everybody gets is a gift. It is the portion that is given to them. It's not something that they earned. It is an honor that they received by being a part of the family. Every benefit of the cross is our inheritance. Every benefit of the cross is our gift from God. Every benefit of the empty tomb is our inheritance. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. It is the gift of God. It all comes with the privileges of being a member of the family. Anybody thankful to be in the family? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. David said in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 5, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and the... And of my cup, thou maintainest my lot. Our inheritance, our portion is a perfect portion. It's a perfect measure assigned especially to each one of us individually. It's ours. Nobody can take away your portion. Jesus secured our portion, your portion, my portion. Jesus secured it at Calvary. It is a portion that upholds. Nobody can take it away. We can't. Lose it. It is a portion that never fails. Anybody say amen. God has never failed us. He's always brought us through whatever we were in. We have a portion that rises above the storm. We have a portion that, that goes beyond the heartache, a portion that gives us victory over every situation. We have a portion that is constant, faithful. There's nothing better than the portion that Jesus gives us because it's a perfect portion. It's an ordained portion set aside just for you. How many of you have ever had to walk through a valley in this life? Anybody ever been through a storm? You ever been through a trial? You ever been through one that you just didn't know if you were going to get through this one? Oh, there's some that's walking through some valleys right now. There's some that's in some valleys right now you can't even see the sun from where you're at. There's some people right now in this building and within the sound of my voice that are going through the storm of their life. But here's the truth. Before your storm ever arrived, God had already prepared the exact portion that you need to get you through that storm. 
before it ever came, before the clouds ever started coming up in the east, before it ever started getting dark, before the wind ever started blowing, while you were still enjoying the sunshine, you didn't even know the storm was coming, before the storm ever came and rocked your world, God had already proportioned the exact amount of grace that you would need. God had already proportioned the exact amount of mercy that you would need. God had already proportioned the exact amount of strength that you would need. God, before your storm ever got there, had already proportioned the exact amount of everything that you would need to get you through that storm, whatever it may be. Whatever you faced, whatever you're facing, God already knew it before we ever got to it. And he's already proportioned the way of escape. See, your portion will provide a completeness for you. It's not your neighbor's portion. What God has for you, it's not your best friend's portion. It's not a portion that God put together for somebody else or something else, and, and then it's given to you. No, it was designed for you. It's not a, a portion that, that God put for somebody else and there was a little bit left over. It was designed specifically, perfectly, purposefully for you. God's not in the withholding business. It is God's desire to give us our portion, his, his complete, perfect portion. Where we run into trouble, where I run into trouble, you may not, but we sit around and we decide what our portion ought to be. We, we sit around and we decide what God needs to do for us. It, it's pretty simple, God. Let, let me tell you what I want and when I want it. Here's what I want, and I want it now. Pretty self-explanatory. But, but we, we lead ourselves to disappointment because we set ourselves up. See, when we're thinking about portions, we set our mind on earthly things. That's not what Jesus said. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So, so we set ourselves up for disappointment by, by thinking what our portion ought to be. When God divides our portion, it's not just all that we need in, in, in this life. It's for all of eternity. See, we're, we're, not, we're not satisfied when we ask for what we want in a portion because we're not content to trust God to divide the portion. We're not content to trust God where we are. Most of the time, God didn't get us into that. We took care of that ourselves. Most of my problems, most of my situations, God didn't get me into. My stupidity did. And then I want to turn to God and tell him how I want him to get me out after I've messed everything up. God says that he has portions in place. All of my portion was measured out at Calvary because Jesus went to work for us. We don't ever have to get up and go to work to go try to work off a of sin. We don't, we don't ever have to go to a job five days a week to try to pay off a debt. We don't ever have to worry about whether or not our account is overdrawn. Jesus goes to work for us every day. He settled it all at Calvary. He says everything's paid in full. He paid all of the debt. He took all of the shame. He took all of our guilt. He took everything for us, bled and died, paid all accounts in full. Jesus didn't just take all of our problems and all of our stuff and put it on his shoulders. He defeated everything that could ever threaten you. 
We feel threatened in life. We feel threatened in the things of this world. But Jesus defeated sin. That was the greatest enemy we had. Jesus defeated death. That was one of the greatest enemies we had. Sin and death was the thing that was going to condemn us. Jesus defeated both of them. He took every problem. He took every battle. He took every trial. And he placed them on him so that he can give us victory over everything. He endured for us. Somebody go ahead and say, thank you, Jesus. He bled and died for us. He fought our battles for us. He defeated the enemy. He conquered every storm. He gave us peace through our situation. Sometimes in life, we find ourselves in situations that we'd rather not be in. Anybody still awake? Sometimes in life, we find ourselves in situations that we wish we weren't in. Life has a way of of bringing things that, that we wish we could change. Jimmy Dean said, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Sometimes God doesn't change our situations, but he writes new stories from the situations that we're in. The Word of God was not written for man to form this Word around his life. The Word of God was written for a man to form his life around this Word. The problem in our world today is too many people want to bend the book, change the book, and change things around and try to make this fit their life to make them look less guilty. The bottom line is we are guilty in sin. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that washes it away. And if you want to live life right, live it according to this book. We turn to God in our situations, and then our situations, no, no matter how hard the situations may be, no, no matter how things look, your situation cannot destroy you. So, somebody needs to hear that. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're coming into, your situation cannot destroy you. Because God has already portioned what you're going to need to get you through it. He, he's already in the fire, just like he was with the three Hebrew children. He's already in there waiting on us. He'll be there when we get there. We look at, we look at portion control. We, we look at being limited as to what we can eat. I, I used this example before, but I can relate to it. So all I can do is put something that I can relate to and hope that somebody else does. If you remember... I talked about eating. Anybody ever sat down at the table and you fix you a good portion? I mean, like today, man, we're going to fix some ham and some, some butter beans out of the garden and some mac and cheese and some, and some squash casserole, sweet potato casserole. Well, squash casserole is good, too. I like them all. Robin, you got time to throw in something extra? <laughs> and, and you fix a good portion. And the reason I say it's a good portion is because all your plate will hold. But you take it and you sit and you get through, you're like, man, that was good. I think I might have to get a little bit more. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just want a little bit more. So here's my problem. I go back over and I got, well, I want a little piece of that ham. Sweet potato. Oh, I love that stuff. A little spoon of butter beans. I got to have some of that mac and cheese. And before you know it, you did smaller portions. You got a plate full again. Because you couldn't decide which one you wanted, so you got a little bit of all of it. And here's the problem. You say, y'all know what I'm talking about, about that last three or four bites. You need a pool cue to shove that stuff down. <laughs> You're like, oh, God, if I just get this last bite. I was raised in a house you had to clean your plate. It's not an option. If you put it on, you got to eat it. 
And, and you're like, oh. And you get it all stuffed down and you wallow yourself in that of your client. You sit down, kick back, throw your legs up. And in about 30 minutes when it all starts getting there, anybody know where I'm at now? God, what was I thinking? Well, I need to be lanced. I'm going to pop like an overfilled balloon. But see, the truth is we fixed a portion to start with. And the portion was a good amount. When we got through, we thought, man, I, I want a little bit more. I'm not quite done. But in reality, if we had gone and sat down in about 30 minutes, like, oh, I'm stuffed. I'm glad I didn't get no more. See, when you look back, you realize that the portion was enough. It didn't seem so much like it at the time. Y'all still with me? When we look back, we realize that that particular portion was enough. Sometimes what we're going through in life, I'm fixing to get a stone thrown because somebody ain't never thought like I think. Sometimes what we're going through in life, we feel like God's not doing enough. Some of you are still with me, and some of you said, who let that heathen preach? Sometimes you're going through stuff that you feel like God's not enough for you right now. I mean, God, I'm hurting. Don't you feel that? Don't you sense that? Why, why don't you do something? T take my pain away. Take the hurt away. Take the burden away. God, I, I, I'm, I'm broke. I don't have any money. You see my check. I paid my tithe. I've not missed a week. I support a lighthouse children, or one of the children of the lighthouse homes. I, I, I give into the church. I do things. Why don't you send money? I'm about to lose everything I've got. Where are you at? I, I need you here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm quite positive that everybody in this place has been through something that we just don't feel like we're going to make it through. But when we get on the other side, you know, after the storm has calmed, and, and we get back, it's a lot like that table. When you get back to recline and you sit and you look back, and you realize that the portion was enough. You realize that God was there. Matter of fact, you realize that if he wasn't there, you never would have made it through it without him. And the portion that he had was perfect. Here's the simple truth. God desires to give you your portion every day of your life, in every situation. Whatever you're facing, God's got it covered. Whatever trial you're in, God has a portion set aside for it. Whatever the, the distraction, whatever, even if we caused the problem, isn't that beautiful? Even though my own stupidity did it, God knew how stupid I was in the first place and was going to do it, and God went ahead and put a portion in there just for me to get me out of my own messes. God is not in the withholding business. He has no desire to withhold the portions. God is looking to give us the portions that he has put together perfectly for us. A few verses later, still in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus went on to say, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What man is there of you? Whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he came to his alive, you heard all this. If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? 
Greg, y'all doing a song? Band, you guys come on up. I, I know it's Easter. I know we got the kids with us. Thankful for it. But here's what I believe the Lord has to do this morning. I want you to stand right where you are. Go ahead and get stretched out. Go ahead and get your mind off that ham and deviled eggs. I'm sorry I messed you all up. Let, let's, let's, let's get back to where we are because somebody needs a portion in here this morning. Everybody stretched out? You good? I want you to bow your heads for just a minute right where you're at. You should bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just want to ask you a question. Is there anybody who can look back on a time in your life when God brought you through something that you didn't know if you were going to make it through? Raise your hand. All over the house, nearly every house, every hand in the house raised that God brought us through something that we didn't know if we were going to make it through. See, that was a test that became our testimony. It, 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 was, it was of that song that I've been through enough to know he'll be enough for me. We know that now because he was then. But, but I, have, I have another question. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Is there anybody right now who needs for God to show up in your situation now? Would you raise your hand? God help you. There are hands all over, all over the building. Billy Graham said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. You believe that? Raise your hand. So it's all going to turn out all right. But what about now? What about right now? We haven't made it to the last page of the book yet. That's not where we are. We, we are in this day right now. What, what about what I'm going through right now? I need my portion for right now. God, I need you to help me get through what I'm going through right now. So here's what I want to do. I want us to take an opportunity to pray. The altar's always open. God is always listening. Let me tell you this. I don't care if they sit down there. Don't be, don't be ashamed to bring your children to the altar. They got to learn it sometime. You think you need to come pray? Bring your children with you. Let them learn what the altar's about. Don't be afraid to bring them up here. You need to pray, come and pray. I'm not saying you can't pray where you are. I'm just saying there's something special about bringing your case to the altar and saying, God, here I am. I need my portion, and I'm asking you now to show up in my situation. Maybe you just want to come say, God, thank you for being my portion. Thank you for being enough. Thank you for the storm you brought me through. Thank you for the places you brought me from. Maybe you just want to come say thank you, God, for all that you've done. Maybe you need to come intercede on behalf of somebody else that you know is going through a storm. Whatever you need to do, these guys are going to sing a song. Let's just take a few minutes and pray. You can change all that now. God has your portion already in place. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. He has your salvation already in store. It's a gift. All you have to do is receive the gift. Are you willing to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a, I'm a sinner. There must be confession of your own mouth. Father, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. 
I'm asking you to save my soul. Can you pray those things in the name of Jesus? If you're willing to give your heart to God, He'll save your soul. Write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but it's up to you to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask if you would look at me for just a minute. I'm going to get you guys. I want us to have a prayer meeting real quick. How many of you know Ron Black? So a lot of you got to know Ron Black. They've been coming here for years. Ron Black's been with the Lighthouse. He is, he is our director at the Lighthouse Children's Home. And a lot of you probably remember Ron Black when he brought the girls from the home in Mississippi to Judgment Journey and brought them all the way back then. And Ron has been here with us for a few weeks and was the captain of the guard. Y'all know a guy with a big old hat. Y'all get to see him. So if you didn't know him, you know him now, the captain of the guard. Well, so they carried Ron by ambulance from here. Um, seems to be a pretty significant heart attack is the early diagnosis. So Dale is on his way out of the hospital now. So I, I, I want to, if we could, we take just a minute. Anybody believe in the healing power of God? Anybody believe in the power of prayer? I want us just a minute, if we would, if we take just a minute and pray for Ron together in one accord, that God would intercede out there and take care of that. Father God, we just come to you, needy people, God. Lord, we thank you for our portions. We thank you that, that you are our portion, and because of that, we know that our portion is enough. We know that you handle every trial and every situation. God, you know the need right now. Father, all I have is a report that I've got that's a fairly significant heart attack. God, I, I pray that, that that will stand corrected. God, I, I pray, Father, when it gets in, maybe it'd be something milder. You can change that. It doesn't matter how significant it was. God, we've seen people go to the hospital and We've seen people tested here for bad cases of cancer, and they've, we've gathered and prayed for them, and they've shipped them to Atlanta and got up there, and it wasn't bad at all. God, that's not a bad diagnosis from the hospital here. It's just the power of praying people and the power of our God to change things. God, we lift up Ron Black to you right now. I pray you'd intercede. I pray you'd put your hand upon him, God. I pray whatever blockage, whatever the problem is there, I pray you'd straighten it out. I pray you'd be with Tara, God. I know, Lord, right now her heart is broke. I know she's anxious and upset, God. I pray you'd be with her, God. I pray you'd be with her family, Lord, as thing gets out. I pray, Father, I pray you'd touch him. You'd intercede there. God, I know Ron's not the only need in the place. I pray for everybody in this place, God, for every need, for every broken heart. God, I pray you'd mend broken things. God, I pray you'd make some crooked places straight for some folks. God, I pray you'd make a way out of no way for some. God, I pray you'd help us most of all to be pleasing to you. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. Thank you for our portion. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. We love you, Lord. We trust you and we praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. And all of God's people said,